Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from her podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. How are you, Allison? I'm good. How are you doing? It's good to see you. Good to be back. Yes, yes. I, I always like it when uh, artists uh, claim to be back and are very excited about being back when we don't remember when they were there the first time. <laughs> like, I remember like Backstreet was back. Mm-hmm. But then like it was like from where this, this is your first song, you know, yeah. or like Motown Philly was back again with a, doing a little East Coast swing by boys to men. And I was just like, that was your first hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is our grand return, Todd. Yeah. We're back up where the weekly is back. I thought you were going to say when you didn't realize that they ever left. Because when I said it's good to be back, I was thinking to myself, like, but it's not like I ever left. I just meant it's good to be back a week later. Yes. I missed you from last. It's been a long week. I know. Of ruminating on your horrendous vegetable decisions and rankings. Don't think that I forgot, because I haven't. There's still fallout from that. And still people this week, there are still people talking about the cat stuff. Uh, I know. I someone uh, sent me a cat story and said you have to look at it, and I haven't had a chance to look at it yet because my head is filled with zucchini thoughts and things. But I'm going. I'm going to get to it in a minute. I have a feeling I'm going to. It's going to be a cat doing something slightly helpful, but not on the order of what dogs do. I'm sorry. No, not at all. Did you want me to go into the story that relates to that music, even though you haven't even done your whole spiel about uh, who you are and what's going to happen on the show this week? Todd, you're off your game. <laughs> okay, you're right. I got excited. I jumped the gun. I got. I it's okay. The gun. I don't think anyone cares. I mean, I think if they're this far into the show that they're hearing me talk about vegetables and we're talking about cats and dogs, they already know you're listening to Upworthy Weekly. I'll do it. Let me take it this time. Todd is a staff writer at Upworthy Weekly. Uh, excuse me. Upworthy Weekly is the show you're listening to. And kudos on your wonderful decision with your time. Todd is a staff writer at Upworthy. He claims he's the king of good news. This is a nickname mm. that he gave himself. But he wants everyone to use it. Uh, and he, it's important that, he know, that you know that he's a staff writer. You know me mm. from a bunch of podcasts. We're going to share with you some of the most engaging stories from the past week. Here we go. He played some music from the Jetsons to let you know this first story has to do with the Jetsons. What do you got, Allison? Let me tell you. So listen, Todd. Internet sluice. Is it my turn to go? (laughs) That's why you don't do the intro. It was so harsh and negative and depressing and not upworthy. It was like BuzzFeed or something. I don't know. I'll admit, it was a little perfunctory. Yeah. Just to- it lacked a joie de vivre that you bring with it. I was like, I just got to get through it. Whereas you bring a like a zest for life. 
A trickle down from Joseph R. Upworthy's Zest for Life. Yeah, I say it like I was born to say it. You know. You okay? Do it. Do it. No, it's fine. We We can A B it. We got we got Jetsons music going on right now. Allison. Yes. How does that relate to our show currently? The Jetsons music. Well, listen to this, Todd. Internet sleuths believe. George Jetson was born in July 2022. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed all of a sudden there was just a lot of chatter about how it's George Jetson's birthday. And I thought to myself, what is everyone talking about? He's a cartoon. He's not real. How do we know it's his birthday? I don't typically think about George Jetson. He's not top of mind. But all Mm. of a sudden everyone was talking about it. And uh, as it turns out, his birthday just passed because the show premiered in 1962 and was supposed to be set 100 years into the future and he was supposed to be 40 years old so if you do the math and Mm. already i you know i did better i did uh well on and i like to bring this up because it's relevant to nothing but i did fairly well on my sats and i actually did better on math than verbal which is surprising because i'm more of a verbal person but the math is already hurting my brain here but anyway he was supposed to be 40 years old in the show therefore ergo his birthday is right is this year for sure and if you go on wikipedia it said now it's since changed but it said his birthday was july 31st 20. 22. It has since been changed to just July 2022 or just 2022. I'm forgetting if they've even located the month. But uh, yeah, so um, we know that it is time to celebrate his birthday. Little baby George Jetson is being born right now. Mm. Um, I thought just to take a moment to appreciate television history, I didn't realize that it aired in 1962 only for one season and there were 24 episodes. Whereas now in our prestige television world, you know, there'll be one season that's like six to eight episodes or they'll break a season into two episodes or whatever, but 24 episodes in 1962. And then it came back in 1985 for two years and there were 51 episodes. Um, So all told, actually, that's like, you know, 70 something episodes. That's like a lot of episodes. But I didn't realize it was only a few seasons. Yeah, um, it feels to me like the Jeffersons. Yeah. The Jeffersons. Actually, <laughs> this is a different George, show. George Jefferson was born, uh, no, very long time ago. Actually, George yes, Jefferson was yes. probably born in the 1920s. Right. Now, <laughs> I would like to see the Jeffersons, but in the future, like the Jeff- George Jefferson future. driving around in the car. You know, Wheezy. Right. Going back and forth with the sassy maid, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and and they they still own a uh, coin operated laundromat, but they're in a deluxe apartment in the sky. Now think about it. He was like literally, George, literally in the sky though this time. Yeah, George Jefferson, like so he'd be in a deluxe apartment in like the sky above the people in the Jetsons that are already living in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Now that's. Television. That would be good. Yes. So uh, I guess we have 40 years to bring ourselves to the Jetsons' vision of the future. Mm-hmm. Will we get there? Yeah. It's kind of so. like. I don't think it's going to happen. I do. I really do because I think that 
you know, when in the in the third act of like a TV show or whatever, they set the the clock. Oh no, mm-hmm. we've got two hours to free you know the woman before the bomb goes off or whatever. We've got mm-hmm. a, a ticking time clock. We've got forty years. And here's the thing: I have a list here of things that the Jeff uh, the Jeffersons predicted. Jetsons, Jetsons, get with it, Todd. Thomas Jetson, my favorite president. <laughs> Uh, and so there's a bunch of stuff that actually we already have. It just looks a little different. It's like we have video calls. We have robotic vacuums. I have one of those Roombas. It's not very sassy, but it is very <laughs> thorough. Uh, we've got tablet computers. We've got uh, smartwatches, flat screen TVs. Uh, in one episode of the Jetsons, there was like a pill cam where you take it and then it can photograph things in your body. Mm. I think we have those now. Yeah. Um but, so all we need really is the flying car and then 3D printed food, which I feel like with 3D printers, like think think about yeah. like I bet if you just stuck some soy into a 3D printer and like knocked it around a bit, it could like spit out a Jack in the Box taco. Yes, that yeah, they'll be I able to do that. We're very close there. Mm-hmm. The only thing is we haven't made it to the deluxe apartment in the sky yet. Right. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> what is this voice? I Bo. like it. <laughs> it's, like, it's my frog voice. Okay. Robot. Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so, if you think about it, because of uh, global warming, we're gonna have the the oceans are gonna rise, and we're gonna have to build in space. Uh, in order, you know, because the earth is going to be flooded. So what we're going to do is we're going to send people down to fish on the earth and then they're going to bring it up and then they're going to fly it up and we're going to eat it in space in the, in the floating apartments that they have in the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. So all this could happen in 40 years. Uh, some believe, and this is crazy, that the Jetsons and the Flintstones existed at the same time. But the Flintstones were the pores that were down oh. on the planet after climate change had turned everything to some kind of prehistoric, you know, blew it back to the Stone Age. Whereas right. the non, the people with the affluent, the 1%, the George Jetsons of the world, which also matches with the George Jefferson because he was a one yeah. percenter, uh, they made it to the sky to live apart from the carnage that was going on. Who who believes they're in the same timeline? People on the internet. <laughs> okay. Now, but now, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think it. Think about it, Allison. I'm thinking about it, Todd. The dinosaurs. They dinosaurs are a product of the past. Mm. They're also a product of the future. If you've seen Jurassic Park. Yes. Eventually, they will, they will, we will bring them back. If life finds a way. Exactly. And the thing is, you can't get them up to space, you know, mm-hmm. in Jetson, where the one percenters are living. So they live down on the earth still. And then, but it's fine because it's an opportunity for them to be used as labor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see like the rock quarries, um, also their uh, food source. So, I mean, I think actually. I think this all makes sense. You bring the dinosaurs back during global warming as a food source. Uh, and they're, they're birds, too, I guess, as mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Goldblum said. But 
I think all of this makes sense. And this is not a bad world for us to live in in 40 years. But how did George Jefferson make Jefferson make his money? In the laundry business, allegedly. Okay. I mean, who, who knows how he really made his money? But allegedly, oh. you know, George Jefferson owned a series of laundromats. Mm. And so he that's why whenever he walked into a room, he could always hear like change rattling in his pocket, you know, because he was just mm-hmm. taking quarters out of the, the machines. So he disrupted the laundry industry. Upworthy Weekly. Non-Americans are sharing the quintessentially American things that they wish they could do. This was an Upworthy story written by Todd Perry. Oh my God, the king of good news? A self-described group of, quote, non-Americans shared the quintessentially American things they wish they could do, and it's a great reminder of some of the endearing aspects of American culture that far too many of us take for granted. At a time when America is plagued by political divisions, it's refreshing to remember that we all share a unique culture that others appreciate. And what's interesting is there's a lot of things that the people were talking about that are American, that people who live in, in other countries really appreciate it. And most of it was just kind of like the down-home charm that Americans have, um, which I, I think that similar socioeconomic countries may not have, besides the Australians, but they're kind of like Americans. Um, so, uh, so here are some of the things. And, and also, what was cool is people weren't saying things like... Uh, I really want to go to America because of freedom or mm-hmm. because of like all these different things that are kind of political things that we have right. in place is why people want to come to America. But it was actually just like, um, yeah, down home, quality of life, the kind of stuff that I was looking at. And I was like, I didn't know they didn't have that other places. But then again, mm. I'm an American, so I'm supposed to not know what people do in other countries. Right. You're really uh, embracing the stereotype. Well, I'm excited to hear what these are because, uh, and I'm sorry, don't, Joseph R. Upworthy, cover your ears. Sometimes it is a little bit, it's easy to feel, um, to feel down on our country lately. Mm, Yeah. You know, so let's hear what they are. What are some, I would like to feel good about America right now. One person wrote that they would quote, they would like to ride a yellow school bus even if they're too old. Growing up, I always loved seeing them on television. And I guess the yellow school bus is an American thing. Like... I said I would like to feel good about living in America right now. <laughs> don't you... Don't, but aren't you going to look out of your window, see a yellow school bus, and go, oh, isn't that charming? I mean, I guess. Yes, okay, fine, wonderful. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> seeing a, a double-decker bus, right? I know. It is charming. You're right. It's iconic. Yeah, it is iconic. Uh, again, I didn't. And why are they yellow? Is the question. Is it because you're not going to hit something? You're, but aren't you going to notice a bus regardless of the color, unless you're an idiot? You know. <laughs> I've turned you into me. Um, <laughs> yes. But pro- I think a yellow school bus does stand. I mean, I don't know why they're yellow, but they do stand out more. Yeah. Uh, another know. person wrote uh, that they would like to, they like the American idea of being able to start a whole new life elsewhere without having to leave their country and go through an arduous immigration process. So, like in America, mm, it's like yes. we have a 
bunch of different kind of countries in one. You know, we have like wildly different topography. Um, you know, we have a bunch of states in which people are almost like a different. Uh, you know, it's almost like it's wildly different. Yeah. Yes, we do. We have like, have you ever been to Oregon? <laughs> These big furry white people with uh, dreads walking around <laughs> everywhere. It's true. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different subcultures uh, and a lot of different uh, cultures. A lot of different ways of life within one country. Yeah, it's a lot of and variety. So, yeah, so people appreciated the idea. Like, if you were in Europe and you, you go. Oh, okay, I want to go live another life, but I got to go all the way from Czechoslovakia to Portugal or something. And then you got to mm -hmm. cross a lot of places. You got to take a lot of trains. You have to enjoy a whole bunch of infrastructure that we don't have and uh, do it all drunk. And then, yeah, and you'd have to like, they'd have to look at your paperwork. So mm -hmm. uh, another one, someone was very interested in playing something that I know that Allison probably plays on a weekly basis at least, and that's beer pong. I am I'm part of a beer pong league. I love it. Can't get enough. Does it involve solo cups, red solo cups? Large ones, and a yes. Ping pong ball yeah. and quarters. I don't no think I've quarters. ever played. That's quarters. No quarters. Quarters is a drinking That's game. That's quarter. Okay. Uh, yeah. Beer pong, I've I've played before. And um the interesting thing is I have a buddy of mine, Mark Chambers, lives in uh, London, England. And Mark goes, you know, they have an America store here where you go and they sell like uniquely American things that you can only get America. Ooh. And he goes, I walk in there and what did they have? The big red solo cups. Evidently, <laughs> people, it was something else I was reading. It was somebody in Europe. They're like, do they really drink out of big, huge red solo cups? And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, we do. We do. Often. <laughs> I. That's. It's always how like, you know, if I put my beer in one of those and I go to walk the dog around the neighborhood, no one knows I'm drinking alcohol. I'm just carrying a large right. red solo cup that could be filled with anything. But of course it is alcohol. Oh, yeah. It's always Like alcohol. when is the last time you drank anything that wasn't alcohol out of one of those cups? I don't think I've drank anything that wasn't alcohol out of those. And, and or, also... Or ever. There's a whole thing with the red solo cup. There's an amazing piece of engineering. Like I did, you know, this is I don't know, the Swiss come up with this. Like if you look, if you just <laughs> there's a fill line on the bottom and that's like a shot. And there's another oh, fill really? line. Yeah, that's like 12 ounces. I didn't know this. Another one that's 16. So if no you could idea. take a shot out of a red solo cup and it's totally fine, it's going to be measured appropriately and legally uh just by the uh the markings on it. There's I a lot no going on. Idea. Yeah. Someone should do a whole podcast on the cup. Yeah. The cup. I think we just did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, there's no more. Last one. And someone wrote, quote, corn dogs. I don't understand what it is, but I want to try it. Do it. Live your life. Get a corn dog. But they can't. They're pretty good. They don't oh, they have can't? them in other countries. No, this is a purely American thing. I mean, maybe you could go online. Hmm. Maybe you could go on yeah. some kind of Amazon and have some delivery. Hell, I'll I'll deliver you a box of them. You know, if if you're yeah. if you're listening in a foreign Send country, it. want a corn dog. But you could even make it easier. Just take a, a regular uh, Frankfurter if you're in Europe, mm -hmm. and uh, you you take a 
cornbread mix. Cornmeal. Yeah, and then you yeah. wrap it on the hot dog, and then you deep fry it. Mm-hmm. So. I, ha- yeah. I can't believe they don't have any sort of frozen corn dogs. I mean, I guess it. I guess it's conceivable, but come on, it's like we live in a global society. It's like, how do you subsist without the corn dog? Like, what do you right. eat? What if you have to walk? You're telling somewhere? me hot dog on a hot dog on a stick is only in the states? That seems quite plausible, but still. I once got yelled at at a girl that worked at hot dog on a stick. Were you ogling her? Ogling her? Ogling or ogling? They do the what thing happened? where they jump up and down with and make yeah, the lemonade. Yeah, make lemonade or something. And I was mm-hmm. younger, and. I was just curious about how she made the the lemonade. She thought this sure. was an ogling situation. Okay. But I was just like, man, that's a big jug of lemonade. <laughs> and then she like stared at me and she was like, no, no, go. Like, m- keep walking, you know? And then I was like, oh my God, like she thinks I'm a pervert. You know, I just saw somebody mm-hmm. in brightly colored, you know, <laughs> clothing with a corn dog on their hat. Jumping up and down, like like almost like she was detonating TNT Roadrunner style. Right. And you know, that always right. captures my attention. And then she gave the walk-on perv, and I wasn't even being a perv. Yeah. I was just sitting there. No. What were, what were you going to ask her? Or was that the extent of your commentary? I, That's a I, really big jug of lemonade. I didn't say that to her, but it was what I was thinking. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. You mean before oh. you even said anything, oh. she said walk-on? Yes. Oh, Allison, you think I would sit there with the, to a woman and go, that's a big jug of lemonade. That would be That's what really... I thought you said. No, I, I think I was... that the listeners might have thought that too. You're just looking. Oh, God. I don't want any anything to be misconstrued about what Todd Perry did at the Delamo Mall in Torrance, California in 2001. I've been to that mall. Um, ex- okay, listen. So you were just... Watching her make lemonade and she told you to move along, bud. I feel yes. and I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want the I don't want my sisters to come after me. But I feel a little bit like maybe she jumped to conclusions there. I understand she felt uncomfortable, but like you weren't really doing anything wrong. No. And I was also contemplating buying a hot dog or a cheese on the right. stick. Sounds like she didn't really sounds like she didn't like her job. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You and, know me, Which Allison. is fair because that kind of guy. Not... I have problems with you, but it's not it's not because of the way you look at women who work at she's at she's on a stick, a hot dog on a stick. But I mean there's a it's a problematic uniform. Mm. I could see where like if you work there, you have to be comfortable. You don't have to be anything. But, like, if you work there, you are signing up for being stared at by people because it's, like, a pretty revealing outfit, and then they have you jumping up and down, detonating lemonade. Yeah. It's, a, it's It makes me uncomfortable. Upworthy Weekly. Do you want to live longer, Todd, so that you can receive more pictures of girls wearing lemon slice earrings, wearing tank tops? Science says you need to read more books. 
2016 study asked participants over 50 about their reading habits and then followed them uh, over a 12-year period, and the results were astonishing. So they divided them into three categories, those who didn't read at all, those who read less than 3.5 hours a week, and those who read more than 3.5 hours a week. Uh, And we're talking about reading books. Because I was like, oh, my God, I would – because, you know – everything's through the filter of me when when it's me but I feel like that's how everyone is by the way through the filter of themselves because I was like oh my god I would ace this study because I am looking at words via my phone and other such material all the time but no they're talking about books um and so uh those who read more than 3.5 hours a week lived 23 months longer than those who didn't read at all. That's almost two years. Uh, so compared to non, this is a quote, compared to non-book readers, book readers had a four-month survival. Wait a minute. Okay, despite me touting my math skills earlier, this is where it gets a little complicated. Let's unpack it all together. <laughs> you wrote this story. This is on you, Buster. Okay. Compared to non-book readers, book readers had a four-month survival advantage at the age when 20% of their peers passed away. Why are you giving us word problems? Book readers also experienced a 20% reduction in risk of mortality over the 12-year follow-up compared to non-book readers. If you are in a train going 45 miles an hour and you need to get 12 almonds for Skip's party, those who read less than 3.5... Just continue. I think we got let's through the point. Not get, so the point is, you know. Let's not, uh, yeah, let's not get into the, the nitty gritty of it all. The point is, if you read books, you can live longer. Now, why books over other re- reading material, some of you and Allison wants to know. Uh, and according to this story written by Todd, um, it's because books, there's a couple reasons. Books require deep reading, which is the process of engaging with the book and understanding its internal context. Uh, and the second is that uh, the emotional connection with books helps us to develop empathy with the characters and their stories. Now, Todd didn't explain why that actually helps you to live longer, so we're left to figure that out on our own. But I'm going to guess that it... Uh, helps strengthen cognitive abilities. It helps to Mm. keep you sharp. It helps to like give your life meaning. Uh, You know, I'm going to say, and here's, I'm really just uh, out on a, I'm making this up. I may, I'm just going to make some stuff up because who cares at this point. But um, you know how there are studies that like babies that don't get physical affection. um, It's very bad for them. They like wither and they don't do well and they failure to thrive and stuff. And I'm just going to say this is almost like, again, this is based not on science. It's based strictly on things I'm making up. I'm going to suggest this is sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. As we get older, we also need connection and we need stimulation and we need to empathize and we need to be forging connection and stuff. And books help us do that. Harumph. I, I'm with you across the board. It's that emotional connection. And then also there's the old like use it or lose it kind of thing. And yeah. if you're just sitting there passively watching television all night, then your neuroplasticity is not going to be as good. Yeah. And then if you think about it, like all we are is really just like a brain, right? Like mm-hmm. and the brain runs the body, right? I mean, there's feedback where the body's like brain, 
you're not doing your job or whatever, but it's kind of all related. But uh, you strengthen your brain, I feel like it's going to strengthen the rest of you and give you a greater vitality. Yes. Uh, I love to read books. I very rarely do it anymore. There's been a couple times of my life that I have. Like, I went through a phase when Elliot, that's my my older child, who's only five, but um, when he was young, where I was like, I cannot, I should not be on my phone around him because I don't want him to see me on my phone. That's bad. So I'm just going to read books when I'm around him. And I read, that year, I read so many books, and it was so good for me. I should get back to that. And then this past week, I'm going to be a guest on a podcast where I needed to read a book for the podcast. So I've been reading a book. I still, I'm still, I haven't finished it yet. And it's been really enjoyable. And I should remind myself of this. It's much more rewarding than scrolling Twitter. Yes, I thought what you were going to say is that you didn't want your son to see you on the phone all the time. So you took a book and then you put the phone (laughs) inside the book. And so it looked like you were reading. You had like War and Peace or like Sid Arthur or something. And then Mm -hmm. inside of it, you were were secretly like looking at other women on Instagram and judging them, you know, or something. No, um, but I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, that was always like a trope in TV shows where you, you know, someone was looking at comics or porn or something, but then they had the book on the outside, but it was upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upworthy Weekly. Repetition teaches. Wait, by the way, you notice this, Allison, how my glasses are fogging up? That's how damn hot it is in my studio right now. Literally, my glasses are fogging up. Woo! Woo! It's like, it reminds me of that time I was, uh, was that the hot dog on a stick? And my, my glasses fogged up because I was like, <laughs> Woo! You, steamy glasses. Uh-uh. Keep it moving. <laughs> Head on over to Panda Express, sir. <laughs> Repetition teaches the donkey. Fun father and song duo share their favorite Arabic sayings. So uh, brothers, it was uh, Danny Zubinay. And his brother Jimmy started Z&Z, a Middle Eastern foods company outside of Washington, D.C., to share, quote, the bold flavors of za'atar with the rest of the world. And that's a type of uh, rub, like a spice that you would put on, mm-hmm. on your hummus or you would put, you know, rub it on some lamb or whatever you're eating. And so he created, Danny created a YouTube channel where him and his family share the joys of Middle Eastern culture. And recently he released a popular video of himself and his father, affectionately known as Baba, uh, explaining some popular Arabic idioms. And uh, I wrote in this piece that like idioms are great because they kind of give you a new window in seeing the world when they come from a different culture. Like, I always love like the French term, you know, je ne sais quoi, you know, it has a certain thing I can't point out, but, you know. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no idioms. American or English equivalent, right? Um, but it, it, just, it just shows how we're kind of narrowed in our perceptions of the world by the language and the culture that we're in. Right. So I kind of, when I saw this video, I said, oh, this is cute. This is upworthy. So it's the it's father and son saying Arabic uh, idioms and then explaining what they are. So I'm going to say the idiom in English. Then, Allison, you tell me what you think it means. And then we'll oh, go to I the experts this. here. Okay? Okay. So this is, this is some morning zoo right here. This is... Uh, <laughs> Next, we're going to do the phrase that pays. Okay. Uh, okay. And the first one is, go tile the ocean. 
I think that means uh, try your best, but there's no way you can do this impossible job. Try your best, but there's no way you can do this impossible job. Is it your final answer? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, because that's certainly going to be something you're going to need to say all the time. There needs to be an idiom that expresses that that sentiment. Go tile the ocean. It means like when somebody threatening you or he wants something that he cannot get, you tell him go balat bahar. Go balat bahar. It's impossible to go and tile the ocean. Get lost. Can you read it? What? So it's like a, as they used to tell me as a kid, like get- go plot. Go play on the freeway, which is a yeah. It's a very it's a very jump LA a specific idiom. Yeah, go right. Go, go jump in a lake like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next one. Repetition teaches the donkey. Uh, like you learn through doing, especially if you're dumb. You learn through doing. Quote. Especially if you're dumb. See if she got this right. Parentheses. Repetition teaches the donkey. Donkeys are known to be stupid. No matter how stupid you are, if you do things over and over and over again, you should learn. A practice makes perfect. Not a game. We talking about practice. Wow, uh, Allison Rose. I, I nailed need... that one. Hello. I need, we need some kind of like, you know, I should ding. Ding, yeah, like that. that's right. But you know, all yeah. my yeah, I would I would have room for a ding, but my my soundboard here is too too busy with different beeps I have to have for every time that Allison cusses on the show, like last week. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> still can't believe I did that. This one is swallowed a radio. Oh, that's for someone who like can't stop talking. I bet. Let's see. Bella radio. Swallow the radio. Bella radio, it means when you start talking, you don't stop, like the radio. You keep going and going and going and going, you don't stop talking. Oh my God, I'm I'm unstoppable. This is, this is... uh, (laughs) Is that your sound effect? Yeah, you like that? My hands are so moist because I'm so sweaty in here. Yeah, I'm making like you can't. fart noises with my hands. Maybe you can do it in your armpit. Yeah. Can you do an armpit the, fart? Shows you the level of maturity of your co-host here, Allison. <laughs> is I'm like... <laughs> like I know. Um, <laughs> but I think that this is a very useful term for our yeah. show, like Swallowed a Radio, like... Yeah. Sometimes Allison, it's like she swallowed a radio, like right. just keeps talking. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard uh, my parents have said injected with a record needle. That's like an American version of that. Injected with a record needle. That's a really old. Let- it's got to be really old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like record needle. All right. This next this one. Is that On my head and my eyes. On my head and my eyes. Like you're obsessed with something? Can't get it out of your head and eyes? Let's see. Get your final answer. Final answer. 
على عيني وراسي. It means on my head and my eyes. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. Sometimes you sincerely, but usually sarcastically. Yeah, sometimes you mean it, sometimes you don't mean it. Mm. On my what? head and my eyes. It's like if you were like, hey, Todd, can you like... Oh, like cross my heart, to this... die. Oh, Todd, can, can, can you get this uh, Upworthy promo for us this week? And I say, Allison, on my head and on my eyes, of course, we'll be on Instagram this week. And then like it happens three weeks later. So. <laughs> right. So like, like I'm giving you my word on my head and on my... like. Over my yeah. over my dead body or something. No, not. I mean, that actually came out wrong. I know what you're saying. Or it's like my wife will be like, "While I'm gone, could you?" And then like, oh I, on my head and on my eyes. Yeah, I'm gonna take the yes. trash out. Uh-huh. Right. Hmm. What do What do you like? Uh, two right, two wrong. Or three right, that one sounds wrong. About right. Yeah. Three right, uh, one wrong. Okay. I don't. I can't remember. Okay. Wouldn't pee on an injured finger. Tough one for the last one. Uh, I think that means really stingy. Oh, let's see. Yeah. Final answer. That's my final answer. Wrong. Means they wouldn't pee on an injured finger. That means he cannot do anything. Means he wouldn't help go out of his way to help you, even if yes. it was easy. Someone who doesn't like to help people. I mean, I feel like I'm close. I'm in the ballpark. I'm close. Not really. Not oh, really. you're not going to give it to me? Well, you no, wouldn't pee on an injured finger. No, I wouldn't give it. No, I wouldn't give that effort. No, you're right. Not for that, because you were wrong. You were saying they're stingy, okay. and that's like, being stingy doesn't necessarily have to do with a one-on-one personal relationship. You could be stingy and, like, not tip or something, right? But this, right. this saying, you know, Allison wouldn't pee on an injured. You're with, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of what I meant, but I didn't express it correctly, so fine. I still feel like I did pretty well. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. You know, whenever I, uh, whenever I hear this music, I think of like the Aristocats and I picture there's like a, a big cat like on a stand-up bass and there's like a yes. smaller cat like blowing a bone, you know, and this it's is like just... the 60s, you know. Straight, giving it straight to the cat lovers out there. I had an idea, Todd, and I was going to tell it to you off air, but I'm just going to tell it to you on air and then mm. I'll force your hand or you can oh. cut this out. I think we should set up a hotline and people can call in and tell us about their week or they can tell us whether they're a better person and then we could play uh, listeners you know, rating their week. Do you think that's something we could do? I think it's something we could do. Why don't you just give out your phone number right now on the show and then we could just put... <laughs> Put it on your phone. And then... I could give out the Google voice number that I use for Allison Rosen's new best friend. Do that. Okay. So people so rate it's... your week. Yeah. Call in. You're going to hear an outgoing voicemail for Allison Rosen's new best friend, but I will be able to uh, keep them separate. 
keep them separated just like the song until it gets overwhelming and then we'll set up a separate one for this show but for right now use this one let us do we want them to rate their week or do we want them to let us know if they're a better person than the week before i think they could do both do both okay it's songs are fascinating yeah try to keep it brief i always say keep it to a minute or less so it's Three two three five five three two three three one. Again, that is three two three five five three two three three one. We'll never answer. Don't worry. It's just a voicemail. We want to play your voicemail on Upworthy Weekly. Okay. All right. Take it away, Todd. Allison, on a scale of one through five, one being completely awful and five being transplanted, rate your week. I had a four. Uh, I had just Whoa. a pretty good week, and I've—I know—I've been trying to figure out why. I've been trying to figure out why did this week feel much easier than the week before, and it was one of those sort of just capricious, serendipitous things where it just—I was just in a better mood, and I even went back and like looked at my calendar, and I looked at the week before, and I think that I just crammed in a lot of stuff the week before whereas it was like a much easier week um this week and also even though I forget if I mentioned or not like ever since having COVID I have been pretty much I'm I'm very wary of getting it again and I've been like afraid I'm not sure how to live and I've been afraid to leave my house but on Saturday or Sunday Sunday I had a play date with Elliot um, because we decided, despite COVID fears, like it's worth it for it'd be good for him. Um, And also it was with a kid that he's already going to school with. So they're kind of in the same germ pool anyway. Um, So that was really good for him. And so and I got out of the house and then that evening we saw a couple friends. So I think that socializing, even though I was outside of my comfort zone, I think that was really good. Um, And yeah, I've just been like feeling good this week. So uh, give it a four. Wow. Are you a better person than you were last week? Well, you know, you have said that, are we a better person? It's just incremental, like tiny bits of being better. So in that regard, yes, I am. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, I know you didn't see that coming. Uh, You know how they say, like, don't look at your phone for the first hour that you're awake? That is a bridge too far. However, I've started doing something. And here's what it is. Normally, I look at my, I I sit up in bed and like, I'm like still just dripping sleep. Sleep is, is, I'm not even, I like can barely even see. I can't even open my eyes. I'm just like, and I grab my phone and everything's blurry and I just open Twitter and I kind of scroll while I try to focus on things. And like, I look at my phone before I even am like awake and in my half-conscious, half-awake state, I look at my emails, and I'm, for anyone who's just listening to this, which is probably all of you, I'm squinting, and I'm looking at emails, and I'm, like, looking at my phone, and then I take my phone, and I stumble into the bathroom, and I, like, you know, and I've decided I'm not going to do that. So now I go into the bathroom without looking at my phone. I turn my alarm off, go into the bathroom, and while I'm in the bathroom doing my morning bathroom stuff, I'm thinking about what is it that I, you know, what is it that I need to get done today and this morning? And I don't look at my phone till I'm awake. And granted, it's okay. only, you know, 10, 
10 to 15 minutes after I wake up or whatever, or actually I pushed it off a little bit more. Like there's, I think I didn't look at my phone until I had like made coffee and checked in with Elliot and stuff like that. So I've pushed it off a little more each morning and it is making a difference. It's like allowing me to feel like I'm controlling my day versus my um, phone is controlling my day. So I think I am a better person. Good. You're not getting like dragged around by the media, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's weird how much it is making a difference. And it's even like, it's small things. It's like, okay, my goals today are like, I need to, you know, call the blind store and make sure they, they received our cancellation and I need to post my episode or whatever. It's like small things, but at least getting my head on straight versus like already responding to stuff. Um, Okay. Todd, on a scale of one to five, one being ridiculously awful and five being as well as I did on the Arab idiom quiz, but even better, how was your week? I'm going to give this week a 2.5. Oh, no. And that's because, real quick, the air conditioning went out on my house and so then that so then i had to get that fixed and then that led to a fight between my wife and i because i said it's not that hot out let's just open the windows and then we can Mm. sleep and then she said she's gonna get eaten to death by mosquitoes and then i thought man can i put like mosquito nets over the windows or something to protect my wife's precious skin but no so then we had like a swamp cooler going in the bedroom going like so my wife's like that's preferable to opening up the window so then i got really mad but then we fixed everything so that's good so next week we'll be fine uh are you a better person than the week before (laughs) i'm gonna say no because we didn't adopt a dog that was kind of offered to us oh i I, you have you have the option to not take in an animal if if you don't feel like it's the right fit i think that's okay but i I do completely understand the guilt as well so i yes so am i a better person i don't know i feel like i should just open my house to every animal that needs it but we, we haven't made a whole by the way if our friends are listening we haven't made a complete call on this yet why can't your friends keep the dog they have like six dogs Oh, okay. So I'd like to end this week's show by first of all saying thank you, Allison Rosen, for being a wonderful, wonderful host this week. Thank you. But this week, I I didn't put this in with this. This made the week bad or good because the man was 94 years old. But this week, it was the uh, Vin Scully, the Dodgers announcer, died this week. And it was... Very moving for me because I know Allison is not a big sports person, but I think Vince Scully kind of transcended that. He was 67 years was the voice of the Dodgers and uh, was just an amazing kind of poet that had an amazing way with words and describing things and is known as the like the best baseball announcer, maybe the best announcer in sports history. And for my entire life, Vince Scully was either coming out of a radio in the car or you're sitting in the backyard with your dad and he's having a beer and you're sitting around, rutting around as a kid and in the background is, you know, Vince Scully talking about Pedro Guerrero and Farmer John Hot Dogs or whatever. But it was like, 
my whole entire life, I know many, many people uh, from the L.A. area uh, just always heard Vince Scully, and he was a comforting voice, and he was like a Mr. Rogers, I feel, of mm-hmm. um, of baseball. But and he died this week, and it was very moving. And I, a lot of people, you know, I was just texting with a lot of friends, and I had one person tell me. At a time in my life when I didn't really have any adults that I had any faith in, I always had Vin Scully. And so, and just as somebody who talks into a microphone somewhat for part of his job, always just really admired the guy's ability to describe situations and um, the economy of words and not to go too long, but it was a great thing where whenever anything really great happened, he didn't talk. Oh, wow. It wasn't about him. It was about the moment. And he wouldn't talk and he would just let the crowd go for two minutes. You know, because that was the moment. And the moment wasn't him describing it. it. The moment was being made up by the listener sitting there, theater of the mind, putting the situation together. And so I just thought that he was such a, just a wonderful being to have existed on this planet that I'm going to let him say goodbye because this was his final sign-off for the Dodgers. Mm. And, You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem, life seems a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. <laughs>